Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Take my love. Take my land. Take me where I cannot stand. I don't care. I'm still free. You can take the sky from me. Welcome to the Golden Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave A.C. and the Six Doctor. Hello, everybody, and welcome aboard. Yes, it's a small ship, but we're proud of it. And uh, sitting in the captain's chair, it's Mr. Dave A.C. Hello, sir. I thought you were going to call me a reaper then for a minute. Hi, Ed. <laughs> Dang. Let's start Dang. again. <laughs> it's Reaver. 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 Oh, second mistake. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, second mistake. Already. I'm not smoking a Reaver, no. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, there's other people on board. Uh, let's check. Uh, let's check in the other rooms. Oh, down the hallway here we have Kobo. Hello, Kobo. Hey, it's exciting to be here, Ian. That's great. Great to have you on board. Just uh, you got to earn your keep. That's all. And uh, as well as earning your keep, uh, you got to keep an eye on this uh, rogue we've got in the next room, and it's Mr. Dar Skeptical. Did you just say a while back there? We got to worry about who's on board, as opposed to on board. <laughs> no, I, I thought I heard that. Right, that. Perhaps one hears what one wants to hear. Anyway, it's what your ears are assimilating. I suppose <laughs> it is. <laughs> hello, sir. How are you? Ah, uh, good, good, good. Just as long as we stay on Dalek. I mean, target. What? Lord. Uh, <laughs> Alright, he's serving as uh, ship's doctor, but uh, we won't hold that against him. Logan is here. And good afternoon. How are you all? Very good, sir. The only problem with having you on board is uh, people don't people don't live past the age of what, what is it, 21? <laughs> 25? Twenty-five. Well, I uh, haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit beyond that. <laughs> uh, no, I think you're 31. <laughs> or is it 30? I think it was 30, wasn't it? 30. You know, I I have never seen that movie in my life. What? What? And you called your show Logan's Run? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Okay, I'm confused. So am I. Well, I I mean, I I knew the time. It's all been a lie. (laughs) I've known the concept of the show and everything, and that's been the one running joke. Is that. Exactly. For a person who never had watched the movie Logan's Run, that was the name of my show. 
Yeah, and even worse than that, he doesn't have a red ruby in his hand. He has a green ring on his hand. <laughs> well, I kept waiting for that star at the end of his name to <laughs> to turn red. <laughs> well, when that happens, your show gets deleted, so you don't want that to happen. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> right. Wait, 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 wait. Before we move on from that, are you saying you've never seen the TV series either or read the book? You've had no contact with the story Okay, I, I've seen the TV series. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Pieces of it. So, I mean, but I, the movie itself, right. I had never, That's fine. never seen. And so by the way, like, which one, which one uh, had the uh, Donald Moffat was in one of them? Was he in the TV series or the TV, movie? The series. Okay. TV series. Yeah, I remember him vividly. So. All right. I thought you just like literally plucked the name out of your ass. Basically, you didn't. No. <laughs> but you you have had some sort of contact with the story. Oh yeah, That's yeah. But ne- the running joke is I've never seen the movie. So. <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, speaking of readers, uh, he's got a lot of info on them. I think he's an expert. Uh, he would be an expert on things, all things horror. It's Rick Wall, our resident reaver expert. Hello, gentlemen, and everybody else. Gentlemen, where? Uh, <laughs> what is the address to you? <laughs> you were uh, one of the uh, everyone else's. <laughs> Just kidding. Just All right. Kidding. Awesome. Joining us. <laughs> uh, I'm running out of uh, crew assignments, but uh, I think he's busy working on the engine. It's Jeff, the seventh doctor. Just call me a reaver, a Dalek, uh, whatever you want, a Borg. I don't care. <laughs> I thought Jeff was our cruise director. I've always seen him as sort of a Lauren Hughes type. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's one of those shows. Well, I mean, I think, you know, so, yeah, or Doc or whatever. Yeah, but I'm glad to be here. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. And <laughs> oh wait, I'm on. Isaac. I'm the bartender. I forgot. Yes, yes, yes you are. Yes, you are, sir. With the and also joining us on the, on the comms, <laughs> it's Mister Cuddly Ken. Hello, Captain Ian and Captain Dave. <laughs> Proud to be on the good ship, Colton. I think. Oh, I, I think that um, our bartender has been uh, enjoying too much of his own product this morning, but it's a good thing. <laughs> well, I like mean, it the, so metaphors, much, the metaphors are coming thick and fast here. That means Dave is Captain Stubing, and I guess, Ian, you're Joey. No. Or whatever his daughter's name was. That's who you are. You're the captain's daughter, aren't you? No, 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 no. <laughs> and I'm your first Yeah. Uh, no, 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 we were doing Firefly, not Lifeboat. Wow. <laughs> Ian's usually Killigan, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, long boat. That's the minnow. Yeah, this is the love boat of podcasts, yes. Yeah, uh, and um, it's lovely to hear Ken's well, voice of serenity. There's something for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Can I go home now? <laughs> I'm, turning the ship adventure. <laughs> I'm turning the ship around. <laughs> Don't make me turn the ship around. All right. the board of so who cares? Where's book? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Where's book? <laughs> <sighs> oh, <Luna. laughs> 
Children, children, I'm going to turn this boat around if you don't behave. All righty. <laughs> Joining us under the cone is what we are to announce next, if I could ever get past everybody talking. Time to lower the cone of silence. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? And those lucky what? souls that are on the cone of silence are indeed Mr. Randall Thor and Captain of the Cone, Cybob. Welcome. All right, there's only one more person to introduce, and that is our venerable typing monkey. It's news time. Go, typing monkey, go. Stay shiny, typing monkey. Stay shiny. Somebody would go there. No, no. It would be too much to expect. It. No, no, no. All right. Somebody's got news in here. Go for it. <laughs> I've lost the interest. <laughs> I, I thought it was you in news, Ian. Oh, I was going to go last. true news. But it's okay. I, I, thought, I thought we were going to go with the report first. No, that's a report, not but, news. Oh, fine. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! Oh, it's starting to feel like it's. I, 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 now I know what it's like to be uh, Randall just, Thor just, just in charge of Friday Night Trivia. Just, just for the listeners, Ian, you are a director, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like this on the set of my show too. <laughs> How did your brain even learn human speech? I'm just so curious. <laughs> I, I, I take it you never heard of the phrase "quiet on the set," huh? <laughs> Silence in the library, more like it. Anyway, <laughs> it's coming close to Christmas. Well, it's, it's, it's now December, and of course, as uh, in typical fashion, the Doctor Who website now has the Doctor Who Adventure Calendar for 2012. And uh, of course, we're already on day two, so uh, there's a couple of things in there. But uh, of course, what? 2013. It's 2012. Never mind. What? <laughs> I think you're going home. Damn, I am home. Any fun 12, you're right. <laughs> I, I thought it was this year. <laughs> did, did we skip a year? <laughs> All right. Anyway, on the Doctor Who website, there is an adventure calendar. And of course, every day they unveil something new. But of course, be warned, they are usually in some way, shape, or form related to the Christmas special. So if you want to uh, <clears throat> avoid being spoiled, it might be a good idea to send somebody in there for you and tell you what <laughs> and see what's there first before you go stumbling in. Um, a lot more details are surfacing uh, every day about what's coming up with the Christmas special. So uh, just be forewarned and forearmed that if you go there anywhere, basically around the uh, Doctor Who uh, website, uh, that there are going to be details of the story around. Um, but I already have a new desktop wallpaper, uh, courtesy oh. of uh, day two of the adventure calendar. Um, they've got one, two, three, four, five... Uh, 
uh, wallpapers that you can uh, dress up your desktop with. So, uh, yeah, that's all I've got for news. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just say I've got uh, probably the same. I've probably picked the same one as you, Ian, with three people looking around the doorway. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to say <laughs> what. Uh, but if you go to DoctorWhoNews.net, there's another piece of news there, and that is that uh, surprise, surprise, the Radio Times will be a Doctor Who cover, and this is for the week of the 8th to the 14th of December. I would have thought it'd been on the Christmas one, and if you're interested and you don't mind risking going to DoctorWhoNews.net, you can see uh, pictures of the past Radio Times covers showing uh, past Christmas specials. But um, it is a fairly dangerous place to go and look. Um, you may get... Uh, more than you bargain for if you do go looking. Um, uh, uh, not news from me, but just say um, we have apologies, by the way, from Perry G for today's Thanks. show. And uh, we've got two birthdays from the, the Cotton Collective. Uh, it's Diane Walling and Rachel uh, Judas's birthday today. So happy birthday to those girls if they're listening. And um, I think... Um, We've got some news from Darth before we go to what is more of a report than news from Logan and Jeff. So can we go to Darth's news, please? All right. Well, it's time for the weekly Bond numbers. And some exciting stuff has happened over this last week. Finally, the Bond franchise is back on top of the list of spy movies of all time. It is now the biggest grossing domestic, which is to say United States domestic movie in the spy genre, according to boxofficemojo.com. But significantly, what that means really is that it has passed the domestic take of the Bourne Ultimatum. And that, of course, has sort of been the mission of Barbara Broccoli since um, casting Daniel Craig and taking things on a different sort of take um, from... Casino Royale forward, and um, you know she's sort of been inching up the charts again, trying to get um, Bond higher up in the U.S. Um, spy genre than it had been under um, Pierce Brosnan. And you know Casino Royale did pretty good. Quantum of Solace, for all of the bad American press on it, was actually and, and remains actually the tenth most popular spy movie of all time. But it really is Skyfall that is blasted us past the Bourne Ultimatum, past the Mission Impossible, past um, you know Austin Powers, which domestically Austin Powers is is has been the uh, you know one of the biggest in the genre, not really internationally because of course humor doesn't translate internationally so much, but in, in the American market, Goldmember and and Spy Who Shagged Me have been higher than any Bond movie. Can you uh, really count those as spy movies, though? Well, again, I'm I'm talking about the list that Box Office Mojo has put together, and yes, I think you can count them as spy movies. I mean, they are commentary upon Bond films. You know, they are direct parodies of Bond, and to a lesser extent, Our Man Flint as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, Gold Members. Yeah, I absolutely think that they are taking the tropes of the Bond franchise and putting them together in a way that has that drove more people to the theaters than the Bond series itself until Skyfall. At least American-wise, you know, I'm not talking about internationally the Bond 
franchises, always been solid, always been on top, always been ahead of the board and franchise. It's never been a question. But domestically, the interesting thing about Skyfall is that now we are at almost $250 million for Skyfall just within the United States, which is a tremendous figure that, that easily bypasses the Bourne Ultimatum. And I would suspect that that number is far enough ahead of the Bourne Ultimatum that it, that would even cover you know adjusted for inflation dollars as well. So it's absolutely the biggest spy movie in, um, well, I don't know if I want to say American history, but certainly in the last 30 years, which is about all that Box Office Mojo covers. So, you know, who, who knows if we, you know, this doesn't actually count the Bond franchise you know, of Sean Connery, because there there are no real numbers for that, I guess, um, in comparison to more recent films. But, you know, as long as, the, since about 1980, um, this is the, the biggest uh, thing in that genre, which I think is fabulous, you know, that we're, as, as Barbara Broccoli's stewardship continues, it just gathers more and more strength and more and more metrics that, yes, indeed, this is a solid franchise again. Yeah, here in the UK on TV, uh, they were only, I think, yesterday or so, still running adverts to, to tell people it's still in the theatre. Because I think a lot of people generally think that, you know, after three weeks, a film's not still running in the theatre. Uh, and they're they're making it uh, people very aware that it's still there, maybe hoping to have, a, a you know, the opposite of a double dip, a, a double crest. I would think they want it to be the... You know, one of the films people will go and see prior to any Christmas specials coming out, as it were. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that sort of thing is happening in the United States as well. This weekend, you know, we don't have Sunday numbers complete, but it is certainly possible that this weekend it will be number one again uh, mm. because the steam is coming out of uh, the Twilight deal and. There's there's more fall off out of the Twilight movie than there is out of Skyfall, and it's going to be very close to see who who's going to be number one this weekend again. But you know it, it's holding on. It's in what third? Let's call it beginning of the fourth week of release in the U.S. And well, it's still at thirty five hundred theaters, which is just amazing. I take it the Hobbit doesn't come out for a few more days yet either, does it? Which would be the right. next big push. On yeah, the the Hobbit's probably the thing that would. I guess kill it. Well, that and the fact that you know you're talking about a four week old movie at that point, as opposed to a three week old movie where actually nothing much was released this weekend, and what did get released um, really bombed. Because you, you've got an interesting setup that has kept the last three weeks in America at least pretty stable, and that's because you've got this thing that's appealing to sort of teenagers, the Twilight thing, and then you've got Skyfall, which is you know locked into action adventure um, and, you know, skews slightly older, slightly more male, I guess. Twilight is, you know, skewing more female, one would imagine. And then behind all of that, you've got Lincoln, which is sort of holding up, um, you know, everybody else who falls through those, who doesn't want action adventure at all and instead wants something more substantial. You get, So you've got this loggerheads thing of these three movies covering all the the basis, and it's been very hard for anything to penetrate around the sides of that, which is great. But if anything can, it will obviously be The Hobbit. 
But I mean, I'm that's great news for Sony because that means that they're going, you know, from one thing that they put out to another thing. Because as we remember from all the discussions of, you know, MGM and what was, you know, New Line and Sony and all that stuff that we were talking about two years ago, um, you know, The Hobbit and Skyfall were both are both produced in some way by MGM, and they're both affected by all that restructuring that happened. And so the money's just going to go, you know, it's it's just a phenomenal time period for that studio who was you know on the ropes now it's all coming to fruition and they'll get um back on top again gobo you want to say something? i am seriously going to have to stream a copy of skyfall because my van is broken and i really really want to see this movie all right uh, just uh, going back to The Hobbit, uh, it looks like December the 14th is the premiere. I think it premieres in uh, New Zealand first, doesn't it? But um, it the be, other, yeah. yeah, the other thing is in my Sunday paper, it was saying that uh, a preview screening of it, uh, a lot of people were um, having this nauseous effect from watching, you know, it screened. Apparently when it comes into theatres, it will be in some theatres screening at 24 frames a second and where they can do so, at the 48 frame for second screening, and and apparently those tickets are selling more rapidly. But people have seen it in that uh, are saying that they they are coming out slightly nauseous and slightly headachey because it's almost too there's too much for the eye to take in. Is the uh, what people are saying? But having said that, um, you know. Uh, the 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 writer of the Hobbit, when uh, he never used to go to the theatres, he said uh, uh, they gave him a headache because it was in its infancy about then. But there you go. Oh, and so we're so enjoying our conversation. They started to do the washing up instead. So. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, go then. I don't think there's any other news. Let's go to the report from uh, Jeff and with Logan helping out. So, Jeff, do you want to tell us what it was you went to see? Well, as you may or may not know, this is the 25th anniversary of the premiere of Star Trek The Next Generation on TV. And what they are doing is they're re-releasing the series one season at a time on Blu-ray. And they've gone back to the original film, and they're uh, piecing it all together as if the episode had not existed before, and, and they're just putting it all together into the same format that it was released on television, only high definition. They've remastered the effects, and i got to say, it looks really, really nice. Now, in celebration of doing this, before each box set has come out, they have shown in the theater two episodes from the season that they're releasing. And they're releasing the second season uh, this Tuesday on Blu-ray. Last Thursday, uh, they showed two episodes from that box set at the theaters. They showed the episodes Q Who and The Measure of a Man. And I went to this event at the theater, and I got to say, it was it was um, quite amazing. Uh, it's almost like seeing the the shows again for the first time uh, because they look so good. 
Now, I did go to the first season event back in July, and I know Ian did as well as Logan, and uh, that was fun. And um, with with this one, what they did, and I was a little I was a little skeptical at first uh, when I sat down at the theater. They they what they did about a half an hour before the main event, they have things that they show up on the screen beforehand. And at the first season event, they started with a quiz. They had about a dozen questions that they rotated through, and they were very easy questions to answer. And when I sat down for the second season event last Thursday, they started with the very same questions. And I thought, this is... uh, this is going to be boring. I've already sat through this. And they only showed about three questions at my theater, and then they went to a documentary, or at least a part of a documentary, that they had shown at the first season event. That was a little more interesting, and I'm glad uh, they they showed that again if people had missed it uh, from the first event. But then they did something different after that documentary was shown. They they showed uh, still frames from second season episodes uh, and they showed the standard definition from the original broadcast and then they kind of wiped the screen left to right with the remastered frame and it's just quite stunning uh, the difference and the clarity the quality of the image was so much better Then they went into the main uh, part of the presentation, uh, and they did, just like with the first season, they had a part of a documentary that's on the Blu-ray set, and then they showed one episode, then they had another part of a documentary on the the Blu-ray set, and they showed the second episode. And I, I actually learned some things from these documentaries that I didn't know before, so I'm glad they showed them. Um... But the, the crown jewel of, of the of the event, I thought, was the second story that they showed, The Measure of a Man, because this was an extended cut version of that episode. It was never aired on television or put onto a VHS or, or DVD, DVD disc before. Uh, they had added in about uh, 12 minutes of extra footage that originally was only on a VHS cassette. Now, it's, I, I'm not quite sure. I've, I've seen conflicting information on whether they had to take that extra footage from the VHS um, cassette or if they actually found the footage on film and was able to remaster that. Regardless of the way they did it, it looked great. Uh, you, If you're familiar with the story, you could tell what was added in, but it looked as good as the original episode footage was. And overall, I thought it was a great event. I'm glad I went. I had a lot of fun. Learned some things about Star Trek The Next Generation I didn't know before. And uh, if I ever get around to it, I, I'll pick up the the Blu-ray set of it. Now, I know Bruce also went to the event, and I'm interested to hear what he has to say about it. <clears throat> Yeah, I went as well, uh, and I went to the first one as well, like you mentioned. And I, I thought it was worth the, the $11 I paid to go see it. Uh, some of the documentaries that they had, like you mentioned, the the second documentary was actually the reunion, the 25th 
anniversary reunion where they got all the cast together. And it was fun listening to them again talk about the uh, about the show and how they filmed it and their reactions and stuff like that. Especially with uh, Will Wheaton thinking for sure when when Gates McFadden was fired after the first season, he thought for sure he was next to go. And a lot of people don't realize that that she was actually fired from the first season. She didn't just quit. Because she was always up in arms with with the studio and stuff like that. So that's why they brought in Diane Maldar. But Will Wheaton kept saying, well, they, they fired my mom. They're going to get rid of me right off the bat. So, so he was walking on eggshells the whole time. The other neat thing that I really enjoyed, <clears throat> sorry, I got something in my throat here, was that they had second season bloopers. And yes. we, we, we did get to see that Worf does forget his lines quite a bit and that uh, Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes are very touchy-feely when they forget theirs. So, but the, ep- the episodes <laughs> I thought I thought were, were good. I was actually wondering, since they were doing this remastering, if they might actually change the Borg into First Contact and Voyager-style Borgs, but they did keep them as as the original Borgs with the original makeup. So... But I, I enjoyed it, and I, I look forward to season three when it comes out. Okay. Do you want to just uh, give it – go on, turn it on. I was just going to say, at the end of the event, they did show a preview of the season three box set, and they right. focused in on two episodes. Um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Yesterday's Enterprise and The Best of Both Worlds. And it makes you think, well, you know, they're showcasing these two episodes – Perhaps they are going to do the event again for season three when that box set comes out. But it wasn't full the theater, was it? I mean, do you feel as no. though it's got a good response? Well, you know, it was a one-night event on a Thursday night in the middle of the holiday yeah. shopping season. And I think the theater that I was at, which was in Glendale, Arizona, part, uh, a suburb of Phoenix, which there's a huge number of people that live down there. Um, you would think that the theater itself would be somewhat busy, and the theater seemed overall, there was, I think, 15 different uh, screens. Uh, screens, and it, it felt pretty dead overall. So I, I don't think the theater had very much business anyway, even with some of the big movies that were showing there. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I mean, when the first show, when the first season came out, I'd mentioned to Ian and and Jeff at the time that what what did I say? Probably about a hundred people in the theater, mm-hmm. and I was quite surprised. I thought I was going to be the only one there. And this time there were only six people, and it to see wow. this particular. Yeah, I would say there was about fifty people at my theater. And they put us in a small theater. There was probably about 150 seats or so. So it was about a third full. But again, that yeah, was, I was a, I was a very large population base to draw from down there. So I was in a smaller theater as well. The first time we were actually on the uh, the big XD screen, which is the uh, the biggest one in our theater, almost an equivalent to an IMAX screen. And this time it was about a 150-seat uh, theater. So... Yeah, I was actually surprised that my uh, theater was doing it again because I suppose if you just got a, a theater sitting there doing nothing, um, 
and it's just a streaming event. I suppose there's not an awful lot that they have to do, you know, except turn the lights on and the and the projector and. Right. So well, I'm just hoping that they do it again because I wasn't able to go because of, of the show that I'm doing. So, um, uh, the for so the yeah, first season event. Oh. No, no, that's good. Sorry, Ian. Uh, for the first season event, I only had to drive about 20 minutes to get to the theater because it was shown locally. But this time around, it wasn't. I had to drive to the Phoenix area, which is about an hour and a half drive for me. And I would say if they do a third season event, I would be willing to drive to Phoenix again. Uh, I had a very good time. It was it was uh, a lot of fun. Okay. Um, let me just uh, ju- stop you there because Logan uh, was going to uh, lead our topic off. Do you just want to give a, a shout-out for your call later tonight, Logan? Okay. Well, first, I'll give a one-minute shout-out for Firefly if you want. Uh, because I do, I do have to drop off. Uh, I was one of those strange fans that, when when Firefly first came on broadcast TV, I didn't like it. I I, I did not make it through the entire episode. They started off with uh, the great train robbery, I believe it was, and that's because they started off the the series and out of order. A friend of mine gave me his DVDs and forced me to sit through and watch it, and I have become one of the biggest Firefly fans out there due to that, being able to watch it in the same order. It's just, it's a great series. I love Nathan Fillion. My favorite actress on the series was uh, Jewel Strait, playing Kaylee. And after you can sit there and watch it in the actual order it's meant to be watched, it all fits together. And it's a fantastic series. I love the movie. And I'd love to see him bring it back again. I, I really can't see that happening with Nathan Fillion doing such a big thing now with Castle, but it, it's one of my one of my favorite series. I I love using clips from it on my show as well. But but I do need to drop off. So yes, Dave, I will talk briefly about the Media Outsiders, which is on tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 o'clock Central. And uh, tonight we're just going to be talking a bunch of different games, movies, nothing uh, jumping out right away. Probably talk a little bit more about the the Star Trek event that Jeff and I went to. But it's always fun and exciting. You never know what Squid Lord's going to say. That's talk show ID 81865. Well, uh, uh, since we're doing Firefly now, no doubt you're going to copy us and do some Firefly tonight. Well, since you always copy me, I mean, I did Firefly, what, six months ago. You're just a little bit late on the copy, that's all. Mute him. (laughs) (laughs) He's out of here. He's out of here. But, I mean, that's that's the way you get to to have a great show because you're always... Copying and and following up on what I do. I mean, so get the hook. Get the hook. Now, if they would just if they would just start on time like you do, Logan. Oh, oh I, yeah. If we'd start on time, I would have been able to go through legitimately my topic for uh, Firefly. I mean, I, the latest I've ever started was one minute off of nine o'clock. So we need, especially with this support rep, we need to teach them how to. Press the start button on time. But we can't afford the oxygen for this. But we have the benefit of shenanigans, so I mean. Yeah, we have shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, I've been tempted in going in and changing the time of your show to half an hour later, but that means you wouldn't start until (laughs) 2 o'clock Central Time, my time. No, no, we we wouldn't start until Thursday. (laughs) Most likely, but have a good show, guys. I need to drop. Yep. Thanks a lot, Logan. Bye, Logan. Perhaps he'll tell people how they can join us, though, if they do. 
That sounds like a dang good idea, and here's how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the Shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. And with that, it's time to blast off into adventure with our main topic. Yeah. And I think there's method in our madness, you know, because uh, the topic for episode 179 is Firefly. And we may be including people's thoughts on the, the movie Serenity as well. But um, since we're, we're about 40 minutes in, we've just given all our listeners the time to watch the very first episode prior to... Uh, joining us and listening. Yeah, so that's our topic. We were going to go with Logan to start with, but um, unfortunately, as you heard, he had to drop off, as did, unfortunately, Rick Wall. So um, we haven't really uh, set up who's going to go, so let's pick on somebody who will be serene in their acceptance. So I'll go to Ken in a moment, but um, let me just play the Firefly song to lull him smoothly. page in uh, by the way there wikipedia.org forward slash wiki firefly tv series created by joss whedon uh of course it was classed here on wiki as a space western uh 14 episodes uh, and it original run was from the 20th of september to the 20th of december 2002 and much has been made of the actual running order of those episodes so if you have the box set you will find that the uh the running order is different, and I'm sure many of our people will be commenting on that. Uh, if we go to Jeff after hearing first from Ken. All right. Oh, I do love that uh, theme so much. It is so shiny. Um, that gets you in the mood for the show right away. And I was lucky enough to watch the series from the beginning. Uh, no thanks to Fox, the uh, the show killer, I'll call them, because they don't they don't stand by their shows unless you're lucky, like X Files or The Simpsons. Um, we think that after Joss Whedon's success with Buffy and Angel, they would have given a bit more care or consideration. Unfortunately, no. And that, that's why I got into the show, being that I loved Buffy and Angel so much. 
And there's something important about that. Watching Buffy felt like I was reading a um, vintage Spider-Man comic from the early 60s. Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. And the way the characters were used, the, um, the interactions of the characters, there was a freshness to it that I'd never really seen. And the whole attitude of a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, we think you know that it wouldn't work because there was such an incongruity with it. With Firefly, immediately we're watching a show that doesn't feel like a fake space western. It's not like Briscoe County, which I really enjoy, which is a western with science fiction trappings and it's satirical. This is creating a culture that has been ripped apart, put back together. It's a combination of Chinese culture, Western culture, and it's it's like what's done in steampunk. There's there's a whole feeling of everything new and high tech, and everything retro dragged down and down to the earth, and it felt so right, and you feel it right from the opening credits. The feeling, also another theme song that would have worked in the show, is the great song by the band, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, because you get the feeling that this is a show that could have taken place in a science fiction uh, alternate universe after the Civil War, and it's from the position of the South. Um, what I enjoy so much about the show is um, people who... Com- can, can I just break in for a second? Oh, please, please, do. Um, actually, uh, Joss Whedon was reading about the Civil War when he wrote Firefly. And um, he was reading a lot of journals from Southern soldiers. And so... And he's also reading about how Lucas was inspired by the Millennium Falcon. So he was inspired by Han Solo. Very good. And and the South. So those two ideas just kind of mesh. Yeah, those mesh. those influences you know speak to us. Um, you you see this is the kind of alternate Han Solo series in the character of. Uh, Mal Reynolds, the captain, um, except we're getting the background. He's on the losing side. He's trying to recoup his life. These are people in that ship whose lives have been torn apart, and it's their stories, each how they're affected by this world trying to make their way, way through it that makes the show so fascinating. And something else, something else that that I noticed about Joss Whedon. He loves the use of the Western influence so much, and I don't know if anybody else has kind of caught this or had the feeling, but in Buffy, the character's name Angel, um, my favorite Western director next to John Ford, Sam Peckinpah, main innocent character 
who is tragic in The Wild Bunch, his name Angel. And there are characters in there, the Gorch Brothers. Now, there's an episode of Buffy with two vampire Western brothers called the Gorches. Now, I don't think that's just coincidence, and it's just another nod to what goes into Joss Whedon, how he constructs a series, and the love and the layering he puts into it. Now, the cast, Nathan Fillion was born to play the lovable rogue, but he is so good at playing the bastard, uh, as was shown with his crazed minister uh, that he played on Buffy. He can be terrifying if he wants to be. And it's this mixture of light and dark, laughing in the face of danger, but so deadly on the inside and his interactions. He's such a good actor. He's such a good actor. I think they missed the bet. I think he would have been a perfect Green Lantern in the movie, not Ryan Reynolds. And maybe it's not for nothing that he did voice uh, the part of Hal Jordan in an animated film. But, but leaving that... Um, in a few animated films. Yeah, more than one. Thank, thanks, Darth. Yeah, he is actually the voice of animated Hal Jordan, period. Okay, great, great. Um, I know does that, that include the video game, Darth? It, I, I should say it also does not include... Does it? I wish Logan were still here. I can't remember if he is the new Hal yeah. Jordan. Uh, looking at the theatrical Hal Jordan. Yeah, theatrical. Look, yeah, theatrical the wiki. animated. Yeah, Sorry, looking ahead, at the Dave. looking at the wiki page. Uh, uh, Jade Empire, Halo Three, Halo Three, Halo Reach. So those are the four video games that Excellent. he's credited with. Yeah, I think they would they'd miss the bet, but. Briefly, the whole cast, um, Gina Torres, Alan Tudyk, um, Marina Baccarin, Adam Baldwin, who is oh, it's so fun, is Jane, and uh, so many great lines come from him. Uh, <laughs> Jewel, Jewel, Jewel State, uh, you know, Summer Glau, unbelievable as, as River, and made me personal favorite. Because I do, uh, I share uh, Dart's love for Barney Miller, Ron Glass. So so amazing as book, the moral conscience of the whole show. Now, we're so lucky, you know. I, I curse Fox, but blessings that they gave it a go ahead at all. Wonderful that it went to DVD and people can see it in the proper order. And there was such a groundswell of the brown coats, the the Firefly uh, fan cadres, that there there was a movie. Now, it, it died at the box office. Critically, it was loved. So, so there you go. It's tough to see. The fan base went the opening weekends. It didn't catch on. But enough for the Science Channel to have the series on, to have the reunion special that they had lately, and for it to be one of the most beloved series. I'm I'm not one of those that worships the ground that Joss Whedon walks upon. 
I'll, I do love his work, but it's by proven. Dollhouse does nothing for me. That doesn't do a thing for me. But Shame, sir. Yeah. Buffy and Angel, each in their own way, brilliant. This is such a special show, and I've said many times, I love westerns. I love what's good, whatever it is. But you, you take Star Trek. A western is a samurai film. A lot of science fiction goes into the templates and borrows like Star Wars does from the samurai and the Hong Kong genres. And you carry that into this film. And I don't think I've seen the synthesis of cultures better. There are only a couple movies that have done it maybe equal to me to Firefly with a synthesis of cultures. One is Clockwork Orange with with the NADSET language that Anthony Burgess came up with and that Kubrick transferred so beautifully in, in the movie. And Blade Runner with the futuristic influences of, of the Oriental taking over into kind of carnal science fiction Los Angeles in the future. So th- that did it so well. That's what Firefly does. You have this, it doesn't feel like you're watching a television show by committee, like we just have to do something. I felt that every so often with with Galactica, as much as I enjoyed the new show. It seemed, which way are we going to go? Are we going to make it very dark? We're giving it the optimistic ending, spoiler folks, etc. This show, and it's been said before, maybe our, our memories are sugar-coated because it didn't last. And so we have 14 episodes of joy that might have been watered down, that we could have said, where would it have went? But we have this kind of pure, crystalline, 14 episodes and a movie of of something so creative. And, uh, you know, I the gift is for somebody to listen to this podcast, like like anything that we all talk about, and search it out, enjoy the pleasure of the new, and get into this show. Because these characters are wonderful. The the show is so much fun and it's heartbreaking and you just you love these characters. And I think that's that's the gift with Joss Whedon. Character driven, not plot driven. And I think that's what really makes the best television and the best film and, and the best art. When, when you meet these, these people that you consider part of your lives, even even though it's fiction, and you grab onto it and you, you're you with them on the good ship Serenity. And let me turn it over to somebody else, but what a show. What a show. Okay, let me uh, play a clip now. <laughs> these are clips that I have played before, and it's uh, down as um, from episode one, but... Um, I'm not going to tell you which episode one it is, <laughs> but there you go. Here's a clip from Firefly. Now, this is all the money Niska gave us in advance. You bring it back to him, tell him the job didn't work out. We're not thieves, but we are thieves. The point is, we're not taking what's his. 
And we'll stay out of his way as best we can from here on in. You explain that's best for everyone, okay? Keep the money. Use it to buy a funeral. It doesn't matter where you go or how far you fly. I will hunt you down. And the last thing you see will be my blade. Start. Now this is all the money Mr. Oh, gave us in advance. Let's speak for everyone. I'm right there with you. Okay, let's go to Jeff, uh, if we may, and then we'll perhaps go to Darth afterwards. Jeff, are you okay to talk? Let me scroll back to see if he's you put anything in. a little noise there, um, and he's self-muted. Ah, sorry. Darth, would you be okay to go now for us then, please? You know, I, I don't really have that much more to add on this topic. Because um, we, we've kind of already done one of these before, and I'm not sure that I have anything new to say because I've not really revisited the series since then. Okay. It's a great series. If you haven't seen it, then you should see it. That's about all there is to it, really. Okay, right. That, fair enough to that. Um, Kobo's already said that they, they would rather go towards the end. Um, hopefully Mike will come on audio in a bit. Let me just, uh, unusually, Ian and myself nearly always go to the end. So let me just jump in myself and maybe Ian will want to, uh, and then we'll give uh, time for uh, Jeff uh, and then keeping Kobo uh, towards the end. A couple of things, that I, uh, listening to uh, what Ken was saying, um, I was just looking up um, a bit about, because uh, he mentioned a, a few of the actors, Ron Glass, and um, he also obviously mentioned Summer Glau. Looking at Summer Glau, I hadn't realised, because uh, uh, Ken was also making references to Angel and uh, Nathan Fillion being an angel, that um, Summer Glau's first acting role herself was in Angel. She played um, uh, the prim, prima ballerina, in um, the episode Waiting in the Wings. Uh, that was in 2002, so she must have been in, what, 2021 in that. Uh, and looking at her resume of uh, things, an uh, awful lot of science fiction, of course, with Firefly and the film Serenity and the uh, the, 14, the 440, or whatever it's called, um, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, Dollhouse, Chuck... Um, you know, alphas. Of, uh, d- uh, alphas. Oh yes, alphas. Yep. Um, Two thousand. I've not seen that, so I've only just spotted that on the the wiki page. Thank you for that, Kobo. Um, I'm wondering. You know, it also says that reading. I was looking at the wiki pages, the links I've been putting in the room, and um, Josh uh, was also uh, spent some time in the UK. I'm wondering if ever. He references the fact that he saw Blake 7 because you can imagine that if Blake 7 had been made in the United States, it would have been a little bit more like Serenity in style. It's got that similar sort of feel to me about it. Um, not not the way it's acted, not the way it's directed, but go on. 
Oh, yeah. I was just agreeing wholeheartedly. Oh, good. Because uh, I, can, I can say things like that, that that other people don't get. But, yeah, I I think very much it's sort of, you can, you know, the two versions, Blake 7 in the UK and Firefly in the States, uh, and they reflect their, you know, prospective uh, ways of thinking and so on. And um, I do know that, as I say, um, Josh Weldon had spent some time here in the UK. Um, I mean, I'm a great admirer of his work. I mean, uh, I, I do really appreciate uh, lots of stuff. A really big Buffy fan. Angel f- fan that um, Angel dipped a bit in the middle. It went a bit too dark for its own good. But um, not only did Nathan Fillion and uh, Summer Glau, but um, uh, as Cobo was saying prior to us starting the recording, there was... Um, Gina Torres uh, came from, uh, was in it, and um, who's the other one? The um, I keep wanting to call him one of the brothers. Adam Baldwin. Uh, ah, thank you, Ken. Yeah, but he's not one of the brothers, but... Uh, <laughs> he, the other Baldwin. The other Baldwin, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I haven't seen all of the Firefly episodes. Uh, uh, I, I keep meaning my, my son's got the Firefly box set and uh, I caught a few, but then he took them back to Scotland with him. Uh, uh, as I said, uh, those people listening to this um, reasonably soon after we upload the recording, we're doing this on the uh, Sunday, the 2nd of December. Um, only yesterday on the 1st was shown on UK TV, the actual film Silent Really enjoyed watching uh, that. Um, and uh, I really do feel as though... Well, I, I, think you really... your... I think you did yourself a bit of disservice there, Dave, by watching the film first, as it were. Yeah. No, 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 I haven't watched the film first. I watched the film film yesterday. I mean, I've seen it before. I just haven't haven't seen... You haven't seen the whole series? No, I haven't seen the whole series of Firefly. I've not seen every episode. No, certainly not. So I'm thinking you did yourself a major disservice there. Okay, well, let me just play a couple of... These are very short clips. Before we do that, I'd I'd have to disagree there, because I actually saw Serenity before I saw Firefly. Um, I was up visiting a friend, and he said, Hey, have you ever seen Serenity? I'm like, what's that? I hadn't heard of it at the time. And he put that on, and then I went... I saw that, and I loved it. So I went back and I watched the TV series, and, and that's actually what got me into it. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, seeing it a little bit of out of order. I mean, after all, they did play it out of order on the TV. It's all good. So, yeah. yeah okay, I, I, let I, me I play these. Feel, you know, feel there was anything, you know, too bad about seeing them that way. At least I found it. That's the main thing for me. Right. So you didn't feel that the two jarred with one another, the concepts? No, and that's, that's the really neat thing about the moving moving from you know small screen to big screen is that they didn't go back to the TV series and go, well, well, where's this thing and where's that thing and where's the... It stayed true to what it was, you know. Um, I feel like there was something missing from, then from the TV series because I'd seen the movie, um, which you get a lot of times when they kind of, they bump things up and they change things up to make the ship bigger or to make the ship, you know, flashier or 
you know, like when you go from Star Trek a TV series into Star Trek the motion picture, you know, it's a whole different ball game, you know. Um, but this, it, it just seems like exactly the same, you know, thing. It's just a little more, you know, exploration of you know, other planets and special effects and stuff. But in no way did it jar at all. It, it just seemed to be one kind of complete little universe. Right. Okay, well, let me play these clips. I mean, we'll come back to Ian. I've got a few more things to say, but these are very little short ones. I'm not playing anymore. Anybody makes so much... (laughs) And this is a little clip. There's something the captain has to do for himself. No, no, it's not. Oh. There's an awful lot of humour in this, uh, really is. Um, And I've got, um, as well as uh, when we go to Kobo later, uh, we've got a few clips that Kobo's set up for us that hopefully he'll he'll introduce uh, somewhat. But... um, one of the other things that I, I was going to mention, uh, in terms of what I said about the Blake 7, uh, another of my little, um, uh, what is it, uh, things in my cap that I'm always going on about and banging the drum for, is a series of books that I used to read. Um, and um, I think if if they wanted something to move along from uh, from this, they ought to do this series. It's called Doomerest. The people on here are going to start groaning in a minute because they know I've mentioned it so many times before. Uh, a fabulous science fiction, uh, very sort of uh, pulp fictiony science fiction. And um, I just wish that Josh Wilden would be the man to bring Doomerest to our screens. 33 stories in all about uh, this chap looking for the fabled planet Earth. But it has that mixture of, uh, you know, um, frontier towns so that when you land on planets, often the only modern part of the planet is the actual, uh, the spaceport where they land. Outside of that, it's basically Wild West frontier and circuses and uh, uh, every man for himself and people getting stranded on planets. They, you know, they have to do all sorts of jobs to earn money to get off planet and, uh, you know, all the corporations have tied it up. So basically, you know, you, you might get paid $100 a day, but they charge you $50 a day for your food and keep. And so basically you're in pen- penitence are in almost uh, slavery and you have people going searching for precious jewels and precious uh, strange animals and insects and all sorts of things. Absolutely, he's the man that can bring that to the TV screens. So I take every opportunity I can to to push that series. Okay, before um, we go to Kobo, I'm, I'm going to wait to... Uh, well, Jeff has actually dropped off audio. He's going to uh, hopefully come back on later. Let me play a, a rather longer clip now. I'm going to play a clip from... We've just had the um, Comic-Con event, the 10th anniversary Comic-Con meeting. Uh, and I've got two clips of this, but they are quite long. So I'll just play one now. And we will have CV and wants to go prior to going back to Kobo. Let's, let's, let's wrap it up. 
Josh, 10 years ago when you created Firefly, what was on your mind? What kind of science fiction show did you want to create? How did it begin? You know, I, at this point, I think it's, it's so much in the vernacular that it, uh, it seems old-fashioned, but I just wanted to make something that felt real like a piece of history. I wanted to um, buck the system of all science fiction is lit with purple lights and, you know, has you know, big green heads and, you know, it's, I just wanted to, I wanted to tell an American immigrant story, I wanted to tell a Western story, but I need spaceships or I get cranky. <laughs> And Tim in here, you worked with Joss for years. I'd uh, love to know, like, what was your, what were your thoughts when he said, "Hey, I want to, you know, make a science fiction western." Like, did you think that would be a hit show? Oh, I never think anything Joss is going to do on TV is going to be a hit show. <laughs> it is fair. Um, what I will say is that uh, it, it was never in the plan for me to work on this show. I was working on on Angel Television, and. Um, my best friend came down to a set at Paramount and let me play with his spaceship. And it was about the coolest thing. <laughs> the other spaceship. They're like, and here's my cargo bay. Um, it, it, look, I, I was a geeky kid growing up. I went to cons and, um, you know, that's what I did. And Josh Whedon, the coolest guy in Geekland, said, come be on my spaceship, and uh, it, mean, it, just, it means as much to me now as it did then, which is kind of a lot. Yeah, I have to, uh, you know, uh, give the, the, the dark underbelly of that story as well, um, which involves betraying David Greenwald, which is always funny. And um, because I promised him I would never take Tim ear off of Angel. And... Um, a very good friend and a very wise woman, Marty Knoxon, uh, and said, Joss, you need Tim on Firefly or you will never leave that set and the other shows will die. She was like, the only thing that can make Firefly work when you're not around is Tim Minear and you know it and you have to put him on that show and you have to do the hard thing. And she was so right. It's the best move I ever made. Thank you. Just goes to show that uh, he's very good in just not saying, you know, uh, these shows, it's the coming together. I'm sure it's the sort of thing that Ken would say is that, you know, uh, with these very successful programs, it's it's never just one person. It's it's the coming together of, you know, good casting and uh, being at the right time and obviously quite a few uh, people behind the scenes making very important contributions that maybe us viewers are not always aware of. Whether Ken wants to come in on that point before we go back to Ian. That's very true. It's it's not just as as much as we'll like a Joss Whedon or a George Lucas or a Steven Spielberg. It's everybody working. It's it's the writer, the production team, special effects, the 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 editor, uh, cinematographer. Um, no man is an island type of thing, and it's 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 that whole synergy. Of and Joss Whedon does it, I think, almost better than anyone. It's almost like a theater company. It's a family. That that's why um, you have this cast loving each other, doing conventions, coming back, you know, for retrospectives and everything. And I I think why it why it hits to the fan base Be, because there's 
he's like the captain of the ship, but the crewmates are also important to him, and each one is doing the job uh, for the finished product. It's 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 not just that, and um, that that's something that always bothers me. You look at you look at the Academy Awards show now, and they have ten films nominated for an Oscar, and I'll debate that at another time whether that should be done. But what they've done with the time is the special awards, the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award, etc., they're not showing that anymore. So something for a whole life of work in cinema, um, whether it's Francis Coppola or Ray Harryhausen or, or whoever, the regular public doesn't get to see that. And the way people watch, they don't, they don't care about the short film or the editor or someone who's doing music or the, or the short animated film. Well, that's how Pixar started with the little film, uh, you know, Tin Toy. And th- those are the filmmakers of tomorrow doing that. And that, that's what I always want to see. I love the person uh, from Romania or Hungary or, or Canada who gets their first nomination or gets an Oscar for an animated short subject and they have tears in their eyes because this is their dream coming true. That's, that's what gets to me. I mean, hooray that a big name is winning uh, Best Actor or someone else is racking up a well-deserved uh, Best Picture production credit. But it's, it's, it's the people in the trenches getting their start. That's the fascinating story. That, that's what really uh, uh, makes it incredible. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I mean, um, there's quite a lot on the wiki page about its broadcast history as well, and uh, obviously you can get it in uh, DVD and and Blu-ray. It was remastered at uh, you know to high definition standards and so on. And comic book series. But um, Ian, um, do you want to come in and, and and then we'll go to Kobo after I play the second comic con clip. We can play that and then. And then I'll go. Okay. 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 It's another two-minute clip. I'd also love to know just like how important were these actors in sort of bringing your vision to life? And you just talk about like casting, like Summer. Like, what, why was she perfect for for her? You can't change your mind now. I already got cast. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, George Lucas could. He could digitally make me. I'm not saying we've had a meeting about it, I'm just saying. Um, these, as I've said before, are honestly the finest meat puppets that I've ever controlled. And I, um, it's, it's hard for me because I do remember the time before uh, these people played these parts. I remember the audition process. I remember. You know, it was an incredibly long and ghastly process, quite frankly. Um, and yet, and yet, and yet, um, then comes written history where these were the people before I wrote it. And I feel like somehow, at some point, I was in a hotel in London and I finished this book, you know, which is a story I've told many times, Killer Angels, and was like, this is the story I want to tell, but with Han Solo in it. And, um, and I feel like the moment that happened, 
like all of them, so like we're somewhere to sell equipment. <laughs> like they became somebody else, and they didn't know it yet, but they were those people before they met me, and um, and even if they hadn't been playing them or playing that particular type of person, it just summer is so crazy. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know the amount of vulnerability and strength that she can convey is beyond magnetic. It is, you know, I look at her and I think I will come with her if I want to live. <laughs> and the book now mentioned Killer Angels, I think. Um, another reference to angels there, Ken. Yeah. Actually, Dave, could you play the club Side Little Hill? That's a because great book that's... about the Civil War, Killer Angels. Because that illustrates the point that Joss just made so well. Uh, what's the, the title of the clip? Sad Little Hill. I haven't got that one. Have you got that one, Ian? Uh, it's in the Dropbox. I'm all right. I love it. Did you put it in later? I may have put it in later, but... Hang on, let me check the Dropbox to see if it's there. No. Holy crap, did I not put it in? No. Hey, it wasn't my mistake. We can still blame it on you, though, Dave. Right? <laughs> Why should yeah. Dave be any different? It was my screw Oh, we'll blame Dave anyway. It's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ian, you... Well, if if, Kobo, if you were while we're while I'm talking, if you want to drop that in there, and then Dave can play it when I'm done. We'll do. Okay. Um, yeah. The interesting thing is, is, is we haven't done. Well, I mean, we've talked about this show uh, a couple of times over the past month because it's it's shown up in a, in a couple of lists, um, and. I guess you could say we did this back in 2009, but it was on a different show. <laughs> it marked 2009, the uh, CIA podcast, which is uh, the funny thing is, is right then and there it was it was brand new to me um, because I think it was not long after I got back from uh, Rathab Khan um, and meeting uh, West Hubbard, who um, used to run a CIA podcast uh, called Demon Audio. Uh, no, we didn't steal his name, Dave. <laughs> Dave gave the name Coltham to uh, to CIA, but anyway, I digress. Um, and I remember it was it was inter an interesting discussion then too, um, as it is now, uh, uh, this this mix of of genres. Um, and I, I think my, my comment back then was, you know, "You're here." Yeah, we're here. Oh, it's just I keep hearing a noise. Oh, well, this might explain it. I thought I was muted. Uh, 
All right. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> where was I now? Thanks, Dave. That's your second mistake. Uh, yeah, it was. It's it's this interesting mix of genres, and I think uh, that comes my way back was, you know, there was said uh, that with um, Star Trek, it was Wagon Train to the Stars. It's like, no, this is Wagon Train to the Stars. This is, and I'm not a big fan of of, of westerns at all, really. Um, I've seen very very few. Um, You've seen Young Guns, and that's probably about it. <laughs> uh, but no, this one, this one appealed to me, uh, which is an interesting thing because you know, there's a lot of that kind of Western element, more so I think than the science fiction element. Uh, my my genre and stuff tends to uh, be a lot of you know technobabble and um, button pressing and and gleaming spaceships and you know. Things like that, and so it was odd for for me to enjoy this. I think having seen Serenity first probably served me better because it was a, it was more along those lines. It was less of the um, roaming around dusty, dirty planets, you know, with it looking like a wild west town, um, where Serenity was a lot more kind of glitzy. Um, you know, the, the 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 space bar that they were in had the big screen and and uh, you know, the medical facility was quite swish looking. So, uh, in that regard, it's probably the thing that actually got me into the show. I probably wouldn't have watched it on my own. I think if I had seen, you know, um, had been flicking through and, and watched one of the episodes, uh, you know, caught part of one of the episodes, I probably would not have stopped. And who knows? I may have actually done that originally. Um, but it, it it does this good job of mashing together all of these these just really weird things that you really wouldn't think would play well together you know the you know, the western themes with the with the, the asian themes and 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 spaceships and you know this um post war kind of yeah i mean you could really call them like a blake seven kind of a group but uh just just this odd group of people and of course the mystery of of, of, of uh um of um Glass character and and even more so the um uh, the preacher i mean he uh, I, I i wish we knew what that was all about um i'd heard well, some things uh, about anara which i won't repeat on here because i i still class them as as spoilers because you know who knows he may get to uh well, there is something. a comic book called The Shepherd's Tale. Ah, okay. I have not read any. Oh, I haven't read any other any of the additional media aside from the the TV show and that. So, um, not having a, a lot of time to read. <laughs> but yeah, it's. No, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> anyway, in case he gets to do it on the screen, I, I, you know. Um, but it's a great series. I think I've watched it three times now. Uh, the third time with my wife, I said, "Hey, let's watch this," because uh, she had, I had watched um, Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blob, uh, when it, as it was coming out, and then um, somebody had mentioned it to my wife. She says, "What's this Doctor Horrible?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, we've got to you've got to watch this. Remember, I told you about it." Oh no, I don't remember. I never get credit for anything. And so we watched it, and she loved it. I mean, she's a big fan of Neil Patrick Harris as am I, and she really liked it, so I'm like, oh, well, if you like that, we should watch Firefly sometime. And we didn't. 
time goes on, we get Netflix streaming, and it's there. And I'm like, heck, I'm just going to put this on. Just put this one episode on. And it's that thing I said we should watch. It's, it, you know, Joss Whedon. Oh, the guy did... Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So we started watching it, and uh, now we've got... Uh, We've got it on DVD. We've got uh, Serenity on Blu-ray, <laughs> and uh, she's well into it. And uh, and I said the other day, I said because we were watching the tenth anniversary uh, special that they had on the uh, the was it uh, Discovery Space or Science Channel or whatever Science Channel, I think. And I'm like, I really want to watch the show now again. Yeah, and we only watched it like six months ago, I think. And she didn't bat an eyelid. She's like. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. <laughs> See, I'm well known for I could I could watch you know Star Trek Voyager and then start all over again and watch it through again and again. <laughs> um, but she doesn't let me. But you know, it, it's neat to have this this little thing, and it's and I think it's a kind of a neat thing for American TV to have this little tiny um, glimpse at a show. You know, um, it's hard to know though whether whether it would have been ruined had it gone on for you know ten seasons. Would we be like, I can't believe that's still going? Um, who knows? Um, and as for the future of it, I, it, it wouldn't be bad to get a couple of TV movies. I think you know that wouldn't be a, a, a bad way around it. I don't know if I'd want it to come back as a full time series um, because there's so many pressures on them to. Uh, and they alluded as much to to you know how they were trying to put all these things together and sit there. You know, it's one one thing to get a show and an idea and say this is what I want to do, um, but then it gets picked up and there's pressure from you know studios to do this and do that. Mind um, you, it is a much different time as far as uh, TV goes with you know uh, cable channels, you know, having their own content and. You know, people being able to just do their own little projects. I mean, we're seeing more and more um, of these shows uh, on things like Showtime and that that, that do you know um, thirteen episodes, and then you know that's their season. Um, so who knows? Maybe the time is right for for him to revisit it in, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, if you look at Sherlock, we're getting you know two, three, four episodes, and then you got to wait a little longer. Um, you know, and it can be done. Speaking of Sherlock, will there be a third season of Sherlock? Yes, yes but delayed. Just, yeah, it's coming later than we expected. Um, I think there was news on How? Ben Colton page. How? I think, I think the reason for it is, is, is it's somebody's birthday next year, and so I think that might be um, playing havoc with the Sherlock schedule. And also because The Hobbit was extended to three films as well, I think. Mm. But isn't all the principal photography done? Oh, I didn't know that. I wasn't sure. I thought it was. Anyway, I digress. we digress. Uh, how unusual for us. But, I mean, there's, there's just so much on the show to like. I mean, all the characters are, are are fantastic, yet a little unknown. You know, there's a lot of mystery behind some of them. Um, Mal's just fun. Uh, the, 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 I think it was the first clip you played, Dave, is uh, from a scene, and you probably find it. Uh, I, I think we talked about it on um, like one-liners and 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 comebacks or something like that. Was our uh, was the Coldham episode where 
the guy is on his knees in front of Mal, and you know he's like, "This is this is what we're going to do." And the guy's like, "No, we're going to hunt you down." And the they're starting up the engines on on um, on the ship, and he just like whacks this guy, and the guy goes right through the the, the engine of the ship, and you know dies of course. And then they bring the next guy down, and just the way he starts that line all over again, just like it's this well rehearsed thing. Now here's what we're going to do, and the guy's like, "Okay, okay, okay." <laughs> I just think that is hilarious. Oh, I lost you. Now, this is something the captain has to work through for himself. <laughs> and he says, no, Because it's such a well-worn, cliched line. No, no, leave him be. He has to win this one himself. Or he has to do this. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, Mr. Baldwin, he, <laughs> I, just, I like his guy. I, I, I think I first saw him in, in uh, Chuck, and uh, I don't know. He's, he, <laughs> I'm not sure if he just always plays the same character, but his characters are funny um, and flawed, and um, you know, just kind of the answer is to whack somebody over the head or shoot somebody or or, or just kill them. And you know, you gotta love him. He's a little he's a little dirtier in this show, though. There's there's this. Odd line that that he that he walks and uh, thinking to that point, I think I have a clip that perfectly illustrates your point. Other than the one we uh, played, well, they might have an issue there because uh, the funny noise you heard a minute ago was that I checked the when the the in uh, Winamp, but uh, V Emotion seems to screw them up. I'll try your Saddle Hill one just so you know what I'm talking about. Is that the, because, the same for all of them, Dave? I think so. Which, Before which the clip, I wanted to, to say bye to everybody. Oh, okay, Ken. Sign, uh, well, thank you for joining us. Love it. Have a great yeah, rest well, of the show. Thank you very much indeed, Ken. See you next yep. week. See you next week. Take care. Lovely place was the one that I was going for in oh, relation to. Okay. All right, well, I'll try that one. Both sides. Um, well, maybe when I uh, when I'm done talking here, maybe I can uh, uh, quick fix them up. Um, Brilliant. So, yeah. Uh, let me let me let me um, just wrap up. But um, one thing that surprised me was um, um, was the, the the age of um, Morena. Uh, what's it? How do you pronounce that? Baccarin. Baccarin. Anyway, yeah. I, I I was amazed at, her, at how young she was. Um, when she played that part, because there's something about her character that seems a lot older and wiser, but not in a like she doesn't look old, but she just carries herself in a way that um, that she just seems to be, you know, I don't know, uh, older in, in in character. And uh, I was quite. Um, She's born in 1979. Right. So that that made. Twenty-three, she must have been then. Yeah, that 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 was. I was quite impressed by her, um, by her acting in it. That that you know. Boys, um, I think is the word you're looking for there. Yeah, well, there's there's that, but there's just this, this the way she speaks and just everything. It's like I just was quite surprised when I looked up her age and that, and I was like, wow, really? Um, hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this. 
so much to love in the show. Um, so much I could say, but I'll get boring. Um, I, I mean, I'm glad we've got it on DVD. You know, there's a couple of things that I bought on DVD over the years. It's like, well, why did I get that? Knight Rider's one of them. I got the first season, and I was like, why did I do this? It's okay. You know, I'm, I'm glad I've got the first season because it's got the, uh, you know, it's got the first episode, which you know is the creation story, and I'm all about those. And um, but I don't see this show ever kind of losing its um, losing its charm. I think it'll always appeal in some way, shape, or form to a group. Yeah, you know, a, a section of society who will look at that and just kind of appreciate this this little chunk of um, fun and uh, you know dark humor and uh, <laughs> oh, I, I I don't know if anyone's got the clip I, I might have to try and find it myself real quick of the one where they uh, they go get their mail at that place and uh, and uh, what was it what did you all go uh, order a dead body for. <laughs> Is what Jane says. <laughs> Just <laughs> ridiculously silly lines like that, but they're a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we had. We, I mean, we had to do this. Or the ubiquitous solving of a bunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. We. I mean, we had to do this show. It's it's the tenth anniversary, and we couldn't let it slip by without. Uh, uh, marking it in some way, shape, or form. So um, I'm glad we were able to get together and have a little chat about it. I mean, I wish the, there were the more thing people was, like on I the said, call, though. It was quite a few, but not on audio. You're quite right. The, and the difficult thing is too, like like I said, that you know, recently we've talked about it a bit, but not through any. I mean, it was in the list, and so um, the top 25 TV series, I think that we did. TV series, and of course the. Uh, the cancel too soon. People may have felt like Darth, the, the, they've already said this, had their say on it. Um, but it was something that we discussed, discussed a while back about doing the show. And, you know, um, I think this is actually the, I may or may not be wrong, it's either this weekend or next weekend. It's the anniversary of the last episode being broadcast. The uh, the 20th of December. Yeah, the 20th. 20th of December was the, uh, the okay. last episode. And, of course, um, Jeff unfortunately can't chat at the moment, and mm-hmm. Logan was going to talk uh, right. longer about it at great length as being a big fan. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, had to drop off before he had the chance to say much. Yeah. Well, I'll turn the mic over to uh, Kobo, and I will go see if I can um, do some technical jiggery-pokery and get those uh, clips working. Yep. Which is a shame because I worked for three hours on those suckers. Um, but Firefly is a really special show for me because, um, again, I discovered it around the same time as Doctor Who, really, and I think everybody left in the room knows what was going on when I discovered Doctor Who. Um,. It's another show that really saved my bacon. Um, it's got so many great one-liners. Um, and me and my dad don't really get along as far as TV goes at all. But when my dad 
excludes the couch for 18 hours, you know there's something really, really special there, and it's one of the few things me and my dad have both thoroughly enjoyed, and... And, uh... The play between all of the characters is just wonderful. And... Alan Turnick could do a one-man show. As evidenced by, um... The, the scene in the pilot where he's playing with the dinosaur figurines. That was just... Beautiful, beautiful imagery, and, um, sorry my roommates are talking in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear that or not, but, uh... Yeah, um, it's all right. That was the character, he played the character Wash, of course, in Firefly. Wash is just brilliant. Um, that's kind of where I was going when I said the movie gives the show a little lobotomy. Is it okay if we do spoilers here? Because I don't know if people have seen the movie or seen, or seen the show. So do I, Do we want to um, do... I, I think the, there is a big spoiler for the, mo the movie, which might be better not saying, because people haven't seen the movie. But um, I think as long as it's not the actual ending of the series, maybe... And certainly give a warning to anything that you think's major. Um, I was just gonna say that the show wouldn't be pot given the events of the movie. I don't think the show is gonna come back as strongly as it would do, or they would have to do a series of. Because obviously a lot of time has passed between the show and the movie. So I, I would be perfectly happy with... I'm not saying that the movie never happened, but there's obviously a good chunk of time there that they could go back and play with. And then... Um... Maybe go back and tell the story of why um, Anora leaves the ship before the movie ever starts. Right. And I'd love to hear Shepard Book's backstory in um I just love the series and there's so much more that they could have done with it if Fox hadn't been so criminally stupid. But my question is, why did Sci-Fi not p pick it up, like, immediately? Right. Oh, you you said you wanted... Yeah. You said uh, you... Was that was any of that dealt in those comic book series that you, you mentioned? There were two comic book series, the Serenity, Those Left Behind, in 2006, and Serenity, Better Days... <laughs> 2008. Oh, and the one-shot hardcover, Serenity, The Shepherd's Tale, 2010. Did any of those cover any of this backstory, you mean? Um, The Shepherd's Tale does give Shepherd's book, Sh 
Shepherd Book's backstory, which which would be interesting. But for those of us that can't turn pages, I'd love to see. Is there like an ebook form, or is it an audio form? Could you have a quick look up there and see if it's an audiobook form? Because I've never really looked into it. But now I've got um, an ebook ebook reader on my computer. That would make things so much easier because I would love to read books backstory. And I don't know if Ian's watching chat, but Jeff is trying to get back in. Yeah, uh, there's a Firefly Media franchise page uh, which talks about the official media, novels, comics, role-playing games, music, uh, Firefly sound character, but I can't, and video games, I can't see what it says anything there about whether they've been, been booked. Um, I would imagine there must have been something done in audio by now. Um, so I was just and it makes you, oh, thanks, if Jeff. Could, if I could jump in, Dave. Um, Absolutely do. I I think Firefly would be a great series to have audio stories from. You you wouldn't have to explain the characters' um, aging because it is obviously an audio format, not visual. And um, just like Doctor Who, where they've had the big finish. Audios. I, I just think that this would naturally fit into that type of storytelling. Uh, it's just ripe, and, and the fan base is there. I, I think they they would get enough support from the fan base buying them, maybe as downloads, uh, that they could uh, they could make a profit from that. Okay, but I would love to read the Shepherd's Tale at some point because Shepherd Book is the most interesting character of the lot. I mean, he really, really is. Um, simply because how does a priest know all that about guns and... Well, he says that in the film. He says that he had a career before he became a preacher. Uh, because... Um, they're, they're having the talk on the base uh, in the, the movie when they when they go to visit him, and he, he asked the book, "How do you know all these things?" And he said, "I had a life before becoming a preacher." But he doesn't actually go into it, of course. But presumably, that comic book, uh, uh, the preacher's backstory, does uh, say something about that. I know that's why I would seriously love to read it, and maybe that's something. Me and my dad could do together and try to, you know, that's something we could do together. And because of my physical disability, and I think my dad would love that because he's quite a fan of the show as well. And I'm probably going to let him listen to this show because he's not at all into podcasting, and I'm trying to get him into podcasting and this would be a show to do it and thank you guys again for running such a great show and well, I'll we've had a few little bumps 
<laughs> had a few bumps today. Sorry about your audio. I did check them when I first got them, but I, uh, t- to do a quick check of time, I just played them in Winamp. But uh, the V-Emotion, is, um, they're, they're obviously, there's some information that's it's trying to play them at one speed, and that is not in. And uh, we've got a link that's, uh, oh, Barnes & Noble that Ian has put in. So that may be the link that you would need, Kobo. We just read what it says. Uh, Serenity of the Shepherd's Tale. Um, yeah, the, the, it's, it's in, oh, yes, it's audio. available on, for the Nook. Holy crap. Yeah, you, you, you could download the Nook uh, e-reader uh, application for your PC. It is a free app yeah. from from Barnes and Noble. Uh, then you could buy notebooks for your PC. And even better news, it says peak customers have bought this. Thank you, Ian. Also bought mm-hmm. Serenity, those left behind, uh, Doctor Horrible, um, Dollhouse Volume One, and Spike the Devil. You know, I mean, so it sounds as though they might be. There's your Christmas money spent. <laughs> Absolutely. Right after the show, I'm calling my sister. If you if you click on uh, Joss Whedon on there, and then it'll show you all of the stuff that's available, and you can actually select on the uh, right hand left hand side under category. Uh, you just click on Nook Books, and it'll actually display all the matches for all the Joss Whedon stuff that's available on the Nook. That's very, very very, very cool. Thank you, Ian. Um, Uh, And thank you, Jeff. There's a free reader that you can put on a PC, is there? Yes, uh, Barnes & Nobles has a free application that you can download for PCs, and I believe they have it for Macintoshes as well, and that uh, you can read uh, e-books that... Barnes & Noble sell for their Nook e-reader machines right on your PC. And like I said, it is a free application. You still have to buy the books, obviously. But uh, you know, if you don't want to buy an e-reader, you just want to read on your Mac or PC, you can download that application. Let me see if I can find... Actually, uh, I'm just wondering whether there's a, an app for my iPad. I've got a feeling that... Um, I, I believe there is. If you have an iPad, uh, a lot of the popular e-reader manufacturers uh, make an app for the iPad so you can read their books on the iPad. Right. Well done. But let me see Um, if I can find the link to the the PC application. I'll put that in the chat. Uh, What I was going to say is to give Ian some time to... um, work on your audio uh Kobo. perhaps if if jeff would be willing we could we could go to jeff and have his thoughts on the series and then that will give time for ian to hopefully get at least a couple of your audio clips so that you can refer to them in your continuation how does that suit the main one is really sad little hill so being listening Sabbatical Hill, yeah. Okay. So we'll get suddenly into... Nah. 
So, <laughs> Jeff, would you like to... Yeah, I know you had to drop off... Well, come off audio. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's Ken in, um, coming in for South California, by the way. Um, do you want to go now and give sure. him some time? Um, I, I think, like Darth, I don't have a whole lot to say about the series itself that hasn't been said already. Um, I, I started to watch this show on the first premiere night, and I went to myself, what is this? I, this seems so uninteresting. I, I don't get it. And I didn't watch for maybe another seven, eight weeks. And then I caught another episode, which I thought was better, but I didn't understand the relationships between the characters and humor, and I, I just didn't get it. So in you know, in the initial run of the series, I only saw maybe two episodes, and I thought it was just a footnote. After that, you know, it started to get a lot of popularity amongst uh, the fans. Uh, people started watching it. The DVDs came out. It was a hit. Um, then you had the Serenity movie. People liked that. It was well-received, at least by the critics and by fans. And eventually I said, well, maybe I should look at this series again. So I got the DVD box set, and I watched the episodes in proper order in the way they were supposed to be aired. And I was amazed. I thought, why didn't I get this when I first saw it? it it's it's a joy to watch. Uh, it, the, the characters, they, they all seem to fit together. The, you know, each one has their strengths and weaknesses, uh, but they all complement each other in that way. Uh, it, it's just a great team of, of characters that you wouldn't think of putting together, but when you see them together on the screen, it all works. It all fits. And the humor is wonderful. Um, there, of course, there's some dark parts of the series as well, but they're well-placed. Um, the stories are interesting. Uh, it, it was just a joy to watch. And uh, if I get the chance and, you know, it's the show's on the Science Channel, I'll turn it on and watch it because um, I just love to watch it. I can rewatch it over and over and over. It has that rewatchability that some shows just don't have. Do we uh, have any technical behind-the-scenes info about why Fox did the Jiggery Pokery with the order? I was think it, so it had to. <laughs> I, I think it had to do with um, trying to get an audience, and they thought, well, this this episode would go into Sweeps Week, and um, so they they did it. I th I think because of that, and it, it just made a, a mockery of of the actual development of the series, and I think it eventually just killed it because there wasn't that established base of people watching, like me. You know, we just didn't get it. A lot of times uh, the suits have a, you know, they think, well, oh, we need to have action and we need to have, you know, this many action beats in, in this amount of time. And this episode here has it that you did, you know, for, this is viewer episode three. Well, we think we should put this in the front. And it's like, what about all the character interactions? It's like, well, uh, that's not what people want. They want they want action right away. So, you know, 
And I said, well, if you don't do it, then <laughs> we're going to just close you down anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're it's, right. It's something along those lines. I mean, I, I'm not saying that that's what it is verbatim, but it's along those lines where they assumed that episodes would play better at a certain point, and um, it's their, you know, it's their money they get to decide. I mean, look at um, Fox and Track Record. They canceled freaking Family Guy. Yep. Well, Sorry. they did the same. They did the same thing with Futurama too. I was displeased with that one. Well, I mean, you can. Yeah, it, it is a favored trope of people who believe Fox is this great. Uh, enemy of genre television to say that Fox is just a you know relentless killer of things that are good, but that's not really fair. And the thing that you should bear in mind, I think, is that Fox successfully created a fourth network, largely because they didn't hang around on things that weren't pre- performing well in the ratings. You know, they they went for things that were popular, and um, you know. You can't blame them, and you also can't fault the record because you know Fox is not UPN. UPN failed. Why did UPN fail? Well, it failed because it it, it stuck around with a lot of things that honestly weren't pulling in the kind of audience that they should have been. I mean, they. I, I think that there's a case to be made for the fact that they shouldn't have stuck with Voyager. Um, that that was a a tin peg for them. I mean, it was a premier show. In fact, it was sort of the premier show for that network. And it it drove them into the ground to the point that they don't exist anymore. You know, they couldn't even get full coverage of uh, the United States. I know in Hawaii, we never officially had a UPN um, network channel. Uh, And Hawaii is not unique in that case. There, There are other states, most of them small states, or at least underpopulated states, that never, ever had a UPN broadcaster. Whereas, you know, Fox, in a relatively short period of time, because it concentrated on ratings, which is what you got to do if you're in a, a paid network situation, um, they managed to create some, some good stuff and a good platform for other things. I mean, okay, fine, Firefly failed, um, probably not for cause, probably because they did make some, some mistaken judgments because they didn't quite have their hands around it. Um, But other things, you know, failed for cause. Like, I'm sorry, Dollhouse failed for cause. Um, Oh, screw you. Careful with with the language, please. Why are you attacking me personally? Just a different opinion, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he mustn't do that, Koa. He's entitled. Um, You know, and it's opinion based on on facts. I mean, it's it's an empirical fact of what the ratings were and where the ratings were headed and all that stuff. And they did, to their credit, Fox did some, gave Dollhouse the kind of respect it should have given Firefly, you know, and did some really extraordinary and special things in the case of Dollhouse. For instance, it, um, you know, I mean, first of all, it, it, kind of didn't mess with the order of the episodes that much. But but more importantly, at least in season one, I know it, it made Dollhouse, like Fringe, one of the special shows that um, 
we're going to have fewer commercial breaks, so it effectively increased the minutes per episode to sort of back to 1960s levels, because I think that some of those episodes of Dollhouse were like 50 minutes long, which is sort of unheard of in American television, which is now 42 minutes long. Um, So it, you know, let's not go crazy with bashing on Fox as the great killer of things that we love. Fox is a business. Fox did try to do some things that, um, uh, you know, have been helpful to Whedon in certain situations, but Whedon's material wasn't up to it, frankly. Um, And, you know, it might have made a mistake here, but Fox is also the network that has given us Fringe. You know, and I think Fringe got the treatment and the respect that everybody wished that Firefly had gotten. And, And so it's not like Fox hasn't learned from its mistakes. It's not like Fox hasn't um, also been successful with the method that they were using at the time that they, you know, applied their methodology to Firefly. Uh, Fox is not the evil empire. Fox is just another network that has, you know, given us a number of things that we, you know, as lovers of genre television, wouldn't have gotten. You know, Fox was the network that gave us the Doctor Who movie. And you can say, all right, fine. It, you know, should have greenlit something there to uh, maybe make more Doctor Who or whatever, but it still did something that no other network in America had ever done, which was to, in prime time, show a new episode of Doctor Who, which is incredible if you think about it. Um, So I I, I don't... uh, the, The one lesson that people seem to take away from Firefly is that Fox is the evil empire. And I I might think that about their quote unquote news, but I don't think about it, you know, in terms of the network, the Fox network, because the Fox network, you know, is expands the playing field um to have terrestrial access to more original television. And it does so successfully, it does so in a reliable way, it, it does so in a way that other um studios like Paramount haven't been able to do, um, and I, you know I, I have great respect for them, and I don't begrudge them their business decisions on Firefly really at all. I think it's the feeling I, that you'd bless them in, in one hand like I do, and you hate them with the other hand. But but they gave Firefly a chance. They had yeah. a show, a show um, with Heath Ledger called Roar, which is very mm. interesting. It. it only lasted one season, but they did they did give it a chance. Yeah. My sour grapes come with something like uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. If you're going to end it on a cliffhanger, God's sake, please do at least green light a finishing two hours down the line to at least tie up the loose ends. Mm-hmm. But and that's some, the fault of the, the producers of that yeah, show. Oh, so they were trying to, you know, by hook or crook, get another season. So they did some, you know, dirty pool in the and, and they And they left, and it was starting, uh, right. starting to get good again. It's a gamble right. that you mean to get. It's a total gamble. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Firefly, had it, had it got the $4.6 million or what have you mm. on on a cable channel, would have mm. kept going. For sci-fi, those would have been better numbers. 
you know. No, absolutely. But, you know, you, know but, you do have to give Fox credit for greenlighting a space western. <laughs> I mean, that is just, it was in not on the radar at all. And, and to, you know, even to do that uh, is pretty, you know, heroic in, in, in terms of studio executives who are normally very staid and normally don't want to, you know, go anywhere off the rails. If they can possibly avoid it, they want to go right down the middle, get something that will probably get them, you know, respectable, if not stellar ratings, something they can rely on. And there was no shot in hell that a space Western would have, uh, you know, flown at all. And and for them to green light it, I think is, is, Fairly heroic. I mean, the thing I, I love about Fox is that they do green light a lot of things. Uh, now, they don't follow through necessarily, not all the time, uh, but they do try. They do try to push the envelope in a, in a way that is not true of CBS at all. That is only true of NBC in, in, in regards to comedy, really. And that is no longer true, but once kind of was of ABC, I suppose, when ABC was in the position that Fox is, like, you know, when ABC was the startup network competing with NBC and CBS. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I mean, ABC I, did, did at least do something like Pushing Daisies, and that was quirky for them. Right. And back in the day, you know, their whole thing was, you know, in the 60s when they were brand new, you know, when they were replacing effectively the Dumont network. You know, their big um, adventurous, heroic thing was to do the Westerns, which, you know, today doesn't seem like it's terribly adventurous, but nobody was doing Westerns then. Well, I mean, Westerns on a on a, a weekly basis was just crazy. Yeah. Uh, but Westerns is kind of where ABC made their bread and butter to begin with. And it was a, it was a gamble at the time because, you know. You know, for for the '60s, you, you think about the money involved. You know, you got to hire horses. You got to have standing sets out in the middle of nowhere. You you got some pretty kind of big production costs, sort of, for that time. I mean, it's nothing for films because films were being made all the time. But for a television series, you know, ABC was kind of, in a way, the first people to sort of move out yeah. from New York. And you know, I mean, they at that time they were they were brave. And I think that Fox. Certainly during the early 2000s. Maybe not now. Maybe now they've become a little bit more state. Well, I don't know. I mean, they still did Fringe. Fringe is pretty much out there. Um, but, um, you know, well, I put a link in the, the room. Sorry. The, Sorry. A link in the room. There's 14 pages of cancelled shows from ABC there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the cancelled show for Fox and the cancelled shows for ABC, I think what you'll find, and this could be just anecdotal on my part, and maybe I'm just wrong, but the cancel shows from Fox are, generally speaking, of a more adventurous nature than what you find on you know cancel lists of NBC or CBS or ABC, um, especially in that in that sort of crucial 2000 2005 period. Um, so I, I, I got, yeah, I got nothing. Got, yeah, they're right. They've got 14 pages as well. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, again, if you compare what they are to what the right. other major networks are, I think you'd find, you know, that in a way, you know, to put this in language for you, Dave, I, I think that Fox is kind of the BBC Three 
of America. Right. You know what I mean? Which I mean, they take more of a chance and some don't, yeah. Right. I mean, every time it, I see that... And if they're that, successful, that, they move. And if they're successful, well, they don't know if they move, but, but um, you know, whatever. But, you know, I when, I when I think of Fox, what I think of absolutely is that, that one commercial for BBC3 where it's like Johnny Vegas and uh, the girl from two packs of, uh, I mean, uh, two... You know, and they're out there and they're, you know, they're doing just stupid, crazy stuff where like Johnny Vegas is trying to do the Fonzie jump on a motorcycle over, uh, you know, a distance. And the, the girl from Two Pines is flinging herself off of what turns out to be not too big of a step. You know, just crazy kind of silly stuff is, uh, you know, but it's dramatic, dramatic stuff. Fox has never really accepted animation been in place for uh, you know, genuine, funny comedy. But in terms of drama, Fox is, you know, it's it's out there. It's, it's something deserving of more respect than I think most people who like Firefly give it. Because people who like Firefly are pissed off at, at Fox, and they will never forgive Fox for canceling their favorite show on the planet. Uh, but, you know, without Fox, you wouldn't have even had that show. And yet, it, I mean, uh, we want to get back on topic, but I mean, things like mm. Buffy moved moved networks, didn't they? I mean, th- there mm. are cases where a series has been cancelled by one network and picked up by another. But I think was it wasn't. I always forget the order here. It didn't Buffy? Did Buffy start at UPN or did it start at Fox and moved to which way did it go? No, Buffy started uh, on um, um, WB. Oh, WB. And then moved to UPN, or they moved to UPN. It was never UPN. a lot. And but uh, but but they kept, which is now CW. But they kept mm-hmm. Angel, which seemed very incongruous and strange. That WB kept Angel, but yeah, and that's having like, the crossovers as well, didn't it? Because although they, they did allow Angel to cross over for something like the hundredth episode, are whatever and uh, that's not that strange i mean that at least has the historical precedent and, and i always go back to this just cause something I mean, jeff said six, which was so right about woman. Oh, excuse me go, go ahead sorry. i was gonna say that that whole buffy angel thing is like six million dollar man and buying a woman where buying a woman starts yeah. out on abc but then moves to nbc and as soon as it moves to nbc that all of a sudden you know oh there can't be any contact with steve austin anymore because steve austin is still yeah. on you know whatever but so it's not without precedent. Things do that, but yeah, it is. A, it's a little weird. Yeah. Somebody I do apologize for the I'm personal attack. I do apologize for the personal attack, there, Darth. No worries. Thank you, Kobo. Um, something Jeff said about the audios. That's such a great idea. Um, I don't know if it would be big finish. They'd be ideal because they've done Stargate. Stargate. They've done Highlander. Uh, I mean, besides Doctor Who, yeah. and Tomorrow so the thing is, it's not just big finish, but would Joss Whedon want to give up production to another company, or would he want to do with something himself? That's something to, you know, whatever contact to any Firefly groups or something, any, anyone listening to the podcast and the Cultum members, to maybe that's something that to put to, to to Joss Whedon, what would he want to do? Because it would be great 
But I wouldn't like to see uh, Firefly without Joss Whedon uh, doing it. I don't know if he'd want to relinquish, you know, uh, the right uh, without... to Nicholas Briggs and Gary Russell. Oh, without Nathan Fillion, really, I don't see. Yeah, he'd have to be along. Um, maybe I mean, something, maybe something in the verse, but a completely new crew. Because I think the verse <coughs> could, could oh, stand up with 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 them. Still, I would say not too many years passed. I I I don't think anyone would really want Firefly without Nathan Fillion. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and everyone else. And Gina, yeah. yeah. I mean, Blake Seven, uh, yeah. there was a company that was doing Blake Seven without uh, the original actors, and it did Midland. But I'm sure that Big Finish's numbers are so much better now that they have the original actors doing new new audios of Blake Seven. That's what people really want. Yeah. Well, okay, uh, I mean, then you got you got the thing. You know, you're saying what would Joss Whedon do? But I'm not sure that it's Joss Whedon's property to actually uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think that the underlying rights belong to 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Not not Fox TV, but 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Uh, so they would have to be the one to be like in the same that way that, that Universal. I, I don't. They in might. 2011. Have. I don't know. That's entirely possible. That would be you know. I guess that'd be standard 10 year deal probably. Um, but I don't know. I know that they. They certainly have, yeah. you know, for... However those properties are. issues are done, because I know Finnish also does Dark Shadows, and mm. with the exception of recasting Barnabas, except for one audio, because Jonathan Frid did do one of them before he passed, they have all the original actors that they can have, you know, uh, doing uh, doing stories. So they license from whoever, so... It, it, they would, they would be a good bet. Okay, yeah. uh, look, guys, uh, th- thanks for coming back on audio. By the way, Ken, uh, let me just uh, try and bring us back on to the topics. I, I, probably Ian's got time strictures now. Um, Jeff, had you finished all you wanted to say? You said you only wanted to talk briefly. So, I yeah, don't I, think you wanted to add. I, I think I said pretty much what I wanted to say. Okay, now Ian thinks that uh, he's got at least one of uh, Kobo's clips. Is it this sad little hell clip that you've got, Ian? Uh, well, I don't know if any of them work yet, so. Uh, but I have got that one. So, Do you want to give that a trial run and then we'll. Yeah. yeah, let me try it. Yeah, look at me. Which story, love? Just, uh, just a passenger. Yeah? Why aren't you talking? You got a secret? No, I'm... Sure. Uh... I got a secret. More than one. Don't seem likely I'd tell them to you. Now do it. Anyone off site in colony knows better than to talk to strangers. You're talking about enough for both of us, though, ain't you? Myrna doesn't like you. Skipped off home early. Monograph jobs here and there. Spent some time in the lockdown, but less than you claim. Now you what? Petty thief with delusions standing? 
robbed from the rich and he gave to the poor. Stood up to the man and he gave him what for. Our love for him now ain't hard to explain. The hero of Canton, the man they called James. Our Jane saw the mother's backs breaking. He saw the mutters lament, and he saw the magistrate taking every dollar and leaving five cents. So he said, you can't do that to my people. He uh, said, can't crush them Jay? under your heels. Yeah, you got any light you'd like to shed on this development? No, no. This must be what going mad feels like. Now here is what separates heroes from common folk like you and I. The man they call Jane Heath. Turned around his plane and let that money hit the sky. Go ahead, let that cash went. I stole that money from Higgins, like the song says. Lifted me one of his hovercraft. I got tagged by anti-aircraft. Started losing altitude. Had to dump them strong boxes. Stay airborne. Crappy town where I'm a hero. <laughs> My word, that's right up there with Smelly Cat, that. <laughs> really? Did you just compare it to Friends, Dave? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's your third mistake, isn't it? <laughs> smelly Cat, oh, Smelly Cat. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you put Jane into a box, you think he's all about money, but then he gives a speech to the mutters at the end, and I should have got that clip, but I didn't. The last clip that really encapsulates Mal and Jane is pretty floral bonded, and I know I put that one in there. Yep, hang on. Yep. Pardon me for intruding, but I believe y'all carrying something of mine. It ain't yours. You think we wouldn't find out you change your route? You gonna give us what do us, and every damn thing else on that boat. And I think maybe you gonna give me a little one-on-one time with the missus. Well, I think you might want to reconsider that last part. <laughs> See, I married me powerful, ugly creature. How can you say that? How can you shame me in front of new people? I can make you prettier, I would. <laughs> you are not the man I met a year ago. Now think real hard. You've been bird dogging this township a while now. They wouldn't mind a corpse of you. Now you can luxuriate in a nice jail cell. But if your hand touches metal, I swear by my pretty floor bonnet, I will end you. 
<laughs> Classic Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> yep. Now, you you commented when uh, another person was speaking about, um, uh, well, I think it was Ian, that um, you, you have a, a clear distinction between Firefly and the film Serenity. I mean, do you want to go into your reasons for that? Um, one, time has passed. And the second reason is because he uh, effectively killed the show with the ending of the movie. And we won't I, spoil at the ending, but I think those who've seen it will know what you mean. Without those two, I don't think the show survives. That's why I'm saying not having seen the series is doing you a bit of a disservice there, Dave. Right. Okay. Yes, I, I, I said on record that I'm so. Um, it seems daft for me to go and buy the DVD when my son's got it. He just took it back to Dundee, so I'll, I'll probably see if he brings it back down for Christmas and uh, catch the ones I've missed. But like I said earlier, my dad loved the show, and my dad never sits down in front of a TV for anything. That's the mark of... What? Not even Baywatch? <laughs> all he watches is Fox News, and we all know where Dar stands on that one, so I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't agree on much at all, and this show is special simply because me and my dad can easily sit back and watch the whole thing and we did when I was in the hospital. That's why I'm incredi that's why I'm incredibly passionate about the show is because it does hold such a special place for me. That's why I spent three hours mining clips <laughs> of the show. Yeah, the shorter the clip you want, the longer it takes to find it. And I don't know if you noticed the end, but most of those clips are from Shindig. Yes. Um, Shindig is my favorite show. Is my favorite episode of the show ever. Episode four. Oh, and I've just realised who wrote it. Jane Espeson, the the lady who wrote, uh, I was one of the writers, yeah, sorry, got the name wrong, uh, one of the writers on the um, Torchwood story. The um, person who's thanked me on Twitter, by the way, I'll just throw that in there. But yeah, if you talk to her on Twitter again, please give her my thanks for writing such a lovely, lovely story. Um, I could talk for another hour on what 
Fireflies done for me, but uh, we get boring and we are getting to the two hour mark, so I think I'll turn it back over to you guys so we can close up the show. Alrighty. Sounds like a plan. How are you there, Dave? Yeah, I think we're, we're in the air. I'm just wondering, by the way, I mean, I'm just looking at, at uh, Jane's uh, body of work, and obviously not that she's, but contrary to Buffy, Angel, Firefly, Orange County, True Calling, uh, Battlestar Galactica, Batman, Dollhouse, Warehouse 13, Caprica, oh, yeah. Game of Thrones, and Touchwood Miracle Day. Hmm? Oh, well. She did, she did all that good, good by doing Miracle Day. Well, I quite liked it. Wasn't it was uh, fell short a little bit, but I still thought it was worth watching. But yes, I think we ought to draw uh, our call to close. And just to remind you that um, next week it's time for something completely different. It's Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yes, uh, we've been doing retrospective of old shows. We've got 50th anniversaries coming up. We've had 25th anniversaries coming up. Well, it's time to do something completely different. So it's Monty Python. So if you've got any funny favourite clips, drag them out and uh, bring them along with you next week. And one more little thing. The, um, the, the, the episode that Ian was referring to was the 10 best retorts in sci-fi and fantasy that we did, which was episode 128. Let me just put the link in the room. It was an IO9 link. And just to save you going back for the Captain Mao quote was, let me read this. Um, the situation, Captain Mao Reynolds, intrepid space mercenary, is hiding a triple young girl wanted by an evil alliance. The alliance has sent their uh, evil operative to retrieve the girl, and the man confronts Captain Mao and tries to persuade him to hand her over. The pitch. That girl will rain destruction down on you and your ship. She's an albatross captain. The whole run. The way I remember it, an albatross is a ship's good luck till somebody had killed it. Bam! You just got rhyme snap. So that was a quote, and um, one of Darth's favourite actors, I think, playing the other character in that exchange. Can I just remember. throw a challenge at the I challenge you to go uh, back. That got distorted at mine. Can I just throw an off-topic challenge to Darth? Darth, I challenge you. How am I now? No, I think it's it's everybody. Uh, I mean, Dave, you were you were yeah. Everyone's distorted. We're getting some some lag. Foxy storm. Uh, yeah, just put it in text. It's gone down for all of us. Yeah. Let's call it a wrap. Yes. yes. All, all right. right. And of course, as soon as we end the show, the audio will be fine. But, of course, until next week, when it's something completely different, yeah, you won't get me talking, because I won't be here. But uh, Dave will be here holding down the fort, and uh, I know you guys will have a good show. Um, or I'll just slap somebody around with a Westfish. All right. <laughs> Until next week, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.